So we are looking at, we are better together. And I'm just wondering, the slides aren't up. Russ is back there. Thank you, Russ. Um, we are, and that's, that's one thing. Russ, Russ and, and Lori are leaving us, and I believe we're working and looking at the 15th will be their last Sunday with us. Uh, and and uh, there are a lot of, we, we need another pianist. Anybody got a special gift that you haven't let us know? And uh, Russ has been faithful in the back, in the sound booth, and that position is something that will need to be filled. So uh, pray the Holy Spirit conviction on somebody. <laughs> to fill those roles. God always provides, right? He always provides. Uh, and I believe that. And so we've been doing this journey together. We are better together. And today we're looking at the reality as we close this series off. We are better together as a church. Do you believe that? We're better together as a church. Look to the person to the right and the left and say, we are better together as a church. These boys in the front here, these young men, we are better together as a church. And so uh, that is a reality. And, and now some, I'm gonna, I'm, I keep sharing secrets. You've known me now for a few years, and you probably don't know all the secrets. But uh, I like spaghetti westerns, believe it or not. One of my favorite uh, actors is John Wayne, the old John Wayne movies. Some of you don't even know who John Wayne is. That shows how old I am. And, and this is when Clint Eastwood was pretty spiffy, I'd say, back in those days. And, uh, and, and, but the, what made me think, you know, I think strange. I know you know I think, uh, you, you think that I think strange sometimes. But I was thinking about the church and is better together, and guess what came to my mind? The good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's kind of sad to say that, but let's be real today with the reality of what church looks like. And sometimes church is good, and sometimes church is bad, and some of us have experienced even when church gets ugly. But we're going to see a little video at this time, and then I'll share. So that's when church is not so good. And let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we pray today as we look at the reality of what it looks like to be your church together, that you would guide us and lead us into all truth today. Holy Spirit, come, because you are the one uh, who can share the truth right into our hearts and lives, that it can be um, remembered and resonate and be lived out and practiced as we face this new week and this new month and into the rest of this year, Lord. We thank you for the series and how we've been moving together and now, Lord, we ask that you would now once again guide us in this uh, service today and this message for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, so today, when we're looking and thinking about church, oh, she's not moving forward. You want to move the next slide? She frozen on us. Uh, what is church? You know, like, what is church? And uh, so one of the things that we need to realize that you hear a lot of people say today, well, I'm not into organized religion, you know, and that's man's, man's thing. Church is a man's thing. And, and the truth uh, this morning is church has been created by God. It's not just something that man has thought up. Uh, a church is God's eternal community. It is the community right now where we get to experience the reality of eternity. 
And we will one day, the church of Jesus Christ, enter into eternity. We will get to be a part of that. And so this is where, believe it or not, this is where we reflect eternity. This is where in the community at large, when they see us and want to know a little bit like what heaven's going to be like, this is where they're supposed to experience it. This is where they're supposed to have a sense of the presence of God and what is this all about and where they can experience the love of God. I love this statement. Pastor Mike reminded me of it. I was trying to remember the words, how it went. But to live with saints above, that will be glory. To live with saints below, well, that's another story. And so who are we? We are indeed the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, this, is, this is something that we struggle with. It's been a constant thing, and this is maybe sometimes why we struggle with the idea. Church is who we are and not where we go. And often when we say, where are we going? I'm going to church, right? We, we see church. This is the church building. We, we call this the church. And what has happened because of that, we seem to forget that we are the church, this building is here to serve us, not the other way around. Anything that we have, anything, this projection, uh, the, the sound, the instruments, anything we have. I've, I've been around places where people can actually worship the building. No, we worship Jesus Christ. This building is here to serve us as the church of Jesus Christ. We are the church. And so look at the person right and the left and say, you are the church, we are the church. And so as we look at that, the reality of the biblical terms that is used for church, uh, there is this term that is kuriakos, uh, which is of the Lord's. And actually, when we uh, look at Scripture, the sacraments, the baptism, the, the actually what we've just partaken of, the Lord's table, that word is used, of the Lord's, kuriakos. It is the Lord's table. That's what makes this table different than a table downstairs where we eat a meal off. It's his table. It's of the Lord's. And so as the body of Christ, as the believers, we are of the Lord's. That's what makes this community different than any other community that you would go to. That's what makes this community different. We are of the Lord's. There's also that quite popular word that maybe some of you have heard, ecclesia. Ecclesia is that group of people who are united around a common cause, that group of people who are called out. It actually means we are a called out group. We are called out from our sin. We are called out from the, the world as we know it, and we are now called into this community called the church. Ecclesia is where you get the word, the doctrine of the church called ecclesiology. That is where that word comes from. I've said this often, and I'm going to say it again. When we are here, we are the church gathered. But just because you walk out the door today, you don't stop being the church. We often say the church gathered, and then the church scattered. So we go out our separate ways, but through the Spirit of Christ, we are connected wherever we're at, uh, throughout our week, uh, whatever we're doing, we are still connected. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And so then it becomes powerful as the church is scattered, 
that when we have these corporate worship times or prayer meeting or Bible studies or midweek or youth group, it is now the church of Jesus Christ coming in gathered. And the word of God tells us that there is power when the church that is scattered comes in and is now together. There is power uh, as the church is gathered. Uh, Another um, important thing for us to realize today is that it is through Christ, and he is the head of the church, which we don't have time to get into that today because Pastor Mike has already looked at that, about being the body. Uh, This scripture is used, uh, we'll be going to verse 20, there's another slide in a moment, but I want you to read this with me this morning uh, as we look at this passage of scripture from Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. You're reading with me? But, but, if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, Tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen, even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. The word of the Lord. Now, interesting enough already, this passage, you know, often this passage is used out of context. Where we usually hear this passage, and we don't have time to get into this passage today the way that we could, is we usually hear it in a prayer meeting. And we usually hear it when there's only one or two there, and we think, oh, Lord, there's not a lot of people here. So praise God, even though there's not a lot of people here, Jesus is in the middle. Jesus is here. And, you know, that's the truth. I I believe if I'm sitting in the church alone, Jesus is with me. Uh, And if I come in to pray, he's with me. So, so, but we often use this scripture out of context because actually this scripture is used uh, more when you want to reproach a brother or sister in the Lord. It's actually used more when, and we use this passage a lot to say, if you have a problem or an issue with a brother or sister in Christ, this makes it very clear what you're supposed to do. You don't go to everybody else about it. You actually go directly to them and deal with the issue. But the reason why we've used the scripture this morning is more of that verse 19 and 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. When we gather as the church of Jesus Christ, we know that the presence of God is here with us. Look in the book of Revelation, when God is, Jesus is moving amongst the lampstands and amongst the church, and he's speaking out to the church about what he finds them. Most of the churches, he tells them to repent. Jesus, every time we gather in his name, is present through his Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we would make us think about how we act or react or, 
or, or what we say or don't say. It's, it's important for us to realize that Jesus is present. Uh, this is important, in this verse, these verses here, because about the fact in Jewish law, in order for you to make a decision, in order for something to be said, you had to have two or three witnesses. And so this passage is saying that if two or three are gathered and agreeing on it, on earth, it is therefore it will be. Jesus is that person there is with us with all authority. And so there is a place where we can use this also for prayer. But you know there is a beauty here about the fact that Christ is with us every time we gather as a church. I think we need to understand this when we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of church. There is the church universal, and there is the church local. And this has helped me a lot to understand church. Uh, The church universal spans all peoples. Every tribe, every language, every nationality. Today as we gather here, the church universal is gathering all around the globe. It is the church that Jesus sees. It's the church that he loves. It is the church that he's coming back for. That is the universal church. One of the things that we realize about the universal church is that it spans time. It goes right back to the early church, right back to those early apostles, right back to those early church in the book of Acts and all the leaders that we read about. It goes through all throughout church history. It also touches, as Pastor Mike said recently, all those that are buried out in that cemetery that are in the Lord and died in the Lord. That's the universal church. And it also follows me that as I take this table and come to this table and take these emblems, my children and my children's children and generations generations to come after me. That is the church of Jesus Christ. I am connected today right back to the early apostles, and I am still connected to generations to come that have not yet been born that might praise the Lord. That is the universal church of Jesus Christ until the Lord returns. And I get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of that. That's the church that Jesus sees. That is the church that Jesus loves and is looking forward to seeing again. How do I become a part of this universal church? That's baptism, the sign of the new covenant. See, when we baptize people, we don't baptize them in in, in the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene. We baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are now baptized into this universal church of Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. And so baptism, though, is only an outward sign of an inward reality. You don't get saved by baptism. You're saved, and baptism now becomes the symbol of what God's already been doing in your heart and life. See, in order to be part, you you can only be a part of the church of Jesus Christ if you're part of God's family. And people would say, well, Lord, uh, Pastor, what do you mean by that? And, and, and the reality is that it used to be that people thought that in order to become a Christian, you had to become a Jew. That's, that's what the early New Testament, they were struggling, on, struggling with the Judaizers because the Judaizers were going around saying, you can't become a Christian as a Gentile. You have to become a Jew first, and then you become a Christian because you have to be a Jew to become a Christian. Praise God, that's not the truth. The reality is, 
To be part of a family, you're born into a family. Think about it, usually. And we're born into God's family. You'd say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? I'd say, well, uh, I've been born, physically born, into my family, warts and all. (laughs) The good and the bad and the ugly. I married into my husband's family, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we are born into our families. And so when Nicodemus came that night asking the Lord, Jesus said, unless you are born again, unless you are born, actually the word can also be interpreted born of above, unless you have had a spiritual birth, you are not part of the family of God. Now, God loves you. God created you. You can even be considered in some ways children of God, but you are not part of the family of God unless you have had this spiritual birth. And so to become a part of the universal church, we have this spiritual birth. And in the spiritual birth, I don't have just a physical birth. I now have a spiritual birth. I am part of the universal church of Jesus Christ, connected with all Christians around the globe, those that have gone before me and behind me. And the way I demonstrate that is I go under the waters of baptism. That's why it's powerful when we're baptized. Because we're symbolizing, I am now a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. Now, universal church sounds wonderful, and it is. But you know what? Where do we live out the reality of being part of that church? In a local body of Christ. Because that's how I demonstrate it. That's how I live it out. While I'm in the flesh and in this world, this fallen world, I live out the reality of being part of that universal church in a local body of believers. That's where I live it out. Now, that universal church is perfect. Guess what about local church? Not so perfect. Because we're not perfect. Somebody said, if you're looking for the perfect church, the moment you walk into it ceases to be so. Right? Because there's no perfect church. Local church. It's filled with fallen individuals. Yes, praise God, we're forgiven, but we are fallen, and we will make mistakes, and we will do things and say things. And somebody said, I mentioned it a while back, church is messy. This local church where we live it out is messy. And we learn how to walk our Christian walk and how to be forgiving and loving in the local body of Christ. And in our church, the Church of the Nazarene, we show that we belong to this local church, the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene, by coming into membership and saying, this is my family, this is where I belong, this is where I'm committed. So there's a plug for baptism and membership. Help you to understand a little bit about that aspect. I love what somebody, old Billy Sunday, said he was an evangelist. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. Uh, Keith Green said, uh, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. The, the reality is, if, if you're coming to church and praise God you're here, But if you're coming here doing your religious activity, or if you're coming here because grandma used to come here and this is that, then you've missed what church is really about. 
then you're just going through religious duty. You have not understood about becoming a part of the family of God through Jesus Christ being the one who has paid the price for our sin and has forgiven us, and we accept that forgiveness, that we become a part of the universal church of Jesus Christ. And right here is where I locally live that out, and I'm committed, and I'm accountable, and this is where I belong. So what are some of the struggles that we see today with this we're better together as a church? Are you still with me? You awake? It's the danger of individualism. We live in a day of individualism. You know that in North America. French sociologist Trocqueville uh, traveled through North America in 1831, and the one thing he identified about North Americans was they were rugged individuals, rugged individualism. And the reality is that we see in our day that, that, you know, we lived in Europe and you could see the different mentality in Europe and how they looked at North America as a different mindset because we're a younger nation. We're, we're just younger. And it was that attitude, go west, young man. Go and conquer. That's that rugged individualism that is part of our North American culture. But it is also our failure because this rugged individualism causes loneliness and despair. And so in the midst of all of that, here we are trying to build the church and say we are better together and we live in a culture that holds up high individualism. Even more so in our day, in the day of technology where people can hide and spend more time communicating with each other and they never have to see somebody face to face. And yet we are preaching we are better together as a church. And so, I want to tell you this morning that if you're going to be part of the church of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to give up something. You don't hear that too much today. You're going to have to give up something. You are going to have to give up some of your time. You're going to have to be willing to be accountable to people as we live in togetherness as a church. You're going to have to commit. Sometimes it might mean you might miss out on something in order to be the church and be better together. You see, this idea that I can uh, have church when it's convenient, when everything falls into place for me, or if I feel like it or don't feel like it, we've missed the reality of how important it is for us to be the church and come together. So there's individualism then there's idealism. Oh, I was an idealist. I still am in many ways. I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit helps me to be a visionary and not just an idealist. Because see, with idealism, the problem is, is that we look at the church how it could be, how it should be, and it never is. And this critical spirit will begin to stir up in us, and we're always criticizing someone or something that isn't right or isn't good. Many times the reason that many of us won't commit to a church is because of our wildly unrealistic expectations of a church. Now I know churches have let us down and many people have the wounds still today, the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we need to stop expecting to find a picture-perfect small group, the perfect worship team, and the perfect songs that we want And dare I say, even the perfect pastor, because they don't exist. And instead, 
what happens when people are idealistic. They stand back, they become critical, they only go only so far, shallow, because they don't want to get into the deeper reality of what real church is like. These are individuals that maybe have sat in a pew or attended a church for years, but they've never, ever really been part of a church. Another aspect in our day is intimidation. The biggest reason for that so many are not experiencing genuine koinonia, we used that word before, genuine community, is because of intimidation. We feel intimidated. We're just straight scared up of intimacy. We live in a day, like as we said, that's so individualistic that sometimes uh, some of us are even struggling with our own identity. And as we struggle with our own identity, we're, uh, we're afraid that if I allow somebody in and they begin to see me how I am, that people won't like me or want me. So let's just do church at a distance. And let's put the smile on, and yet, meanwhile, week after week, people are dealing with all kinds of issues and troubles and difficulties, but heaven forbid we would never share that. We're afraid that if people get to know me, the real me, they'll reject me. And yet, where that mindset came that the church is a group of perfect people with no problems or issues, that's not holiness, my friends. Holiness is that the Holy Spirit is infilling me and giving me the power to live a godly life in this day, but not saying that my life is perfect and that I don't have my struggles and my issues. See, holiness means I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, not on myself, to live a holy life. It's Him who takes me in my mess and changes and transforms me daily into a person who can live a righteous life for him. My friends, church is not an organization you join. It is a family where you belong, a home where you are loved, and a hospital where you find healing. That's church. That's the true church. And you know what? I love this quote. As followers of Christ, we need to stop making church optional or thinking it's optional. It's not optional because God wants us to regularly gather together. Don't fool yourself to let anyone else fool you into thinking otherwise. Missing gathering together should be the exception and not the norm. It wasn't optional for Jesus. Think about it. Living in togetherness as the body of Christ, it wasn't optional for Jesus. It wasn't optional for the first apostles. It wasn't optional for the first Christians. And it should never be optional for us. That we would have the opportunity, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here in a snowstorm, but we should not forsake the gathering of the brethren, as some are in the habit of doing. Because there is power when we come together. And so, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the Church of Jesus Christ is the only community group that goes on for eternity. 
Wouldn't you want to be a part of that group? Wouldn't you want to be involved in that group? Do you know, I want to end with this reality, the bride of Christ. I know we live in a day and people will say to you, well, I love Jesus, but I can't be bothered with church or can't be bothered with organized religion. There's somehow this mindset in North America that we are individuals and we have this individual, remember we talked about rugged individualism. So what we've now brought into the gospel is that I can love Jesus and follow Jesus, but I don't need the church. And I've often said to them, and you've heard me say it, do you know today that Jesus Christ is not coming back for you? You will not find that in Scripture. Who's he coming back for? His bride, the church. All in the book of Revelation, it talks about the bride of Christ. Verse 7 of chapter 19, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the land has come and his wife has made herself ready. Who is this wife? It's the ones who love Jesus. It is his family, his followers. They are those who ache with longing for to be with their Lord, the groom. They are those who have made a decision to serve Jesus with all of their heart and soul and their being. They are the ones who Jesus cleanses and purifies and forgives. And they will be a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's what we just celebrated. We're celebrating this dinner today, looking forward to that dinner when we are the bride of Christ and brought into his kingdom and we shall sit and eat at his table together. The enemy wants you to believe today that as an individual, I don't need the church, I don't need to be involved, and I'm just going to see Jesus, hallelujah. And so the power that comes together when two or three are gathered in his name, that witness of Jesus being that third and fourth witness is lost because it's just me on the road. I'm going to ask the worship band to come. I love this quote by Keith Welton. I have been, now here's the good and bad and the ugly. I have been in the church for over 20 years now. I'll never forget my first experience in a real Bible-believing, spirit-filled, grace-singing church. I was surprised people enjoyed being there, floored that they knew the words to the songs, and freaked out that they talked about their faith when they weren't at church. I saw spouses doting over each other, kids being respectful. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, kids being respectful, the college students staying sober, it had a tremendous effect on me. I was sold on the church. 20 years later, I have felt the pains of being in church. I have felt the pain of getting ground up in the gears of church politics, leaders leaving members in the dust on decisions, friends uttering harsh words, members ruining their lives in sin and congregational meetings that almost seem like an episode of Jerry Springer. There's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Church hasn't always been pleasant, but while I've watched many people give up on the church and flee from it like a haunted house, nevertheless, I still love the church. And even decided to move my family to rebuild the struggling church. What I am doing may confound people, but despite the imperfection and sin we see in the church, remember the local church, not the universal church, we still love 
the church because there's no other place on earth like it. Here's the question as we end this series. Here's the question this morning for you. Do you love your church? Not that it's a perfect church. Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene is far from perfect. There's lots of things that we need the Holy Spirit to help us with. But praise God, he's not finished with us yet. Praise God, this is where I get to live out my faith and learn how to be more like Jesus. So maybe sometimes when we go through struggles, maybe we should say, well, this is an opportunity to learn to be more like Jesus. Now, have churches hurt people? Yes. Have churches done things they should have never done? Yes. I remember Mr. Bean there, not sharing, the gentleman, not sharing his songbook with a brand new person in church. Is that wrong? Yes. But despite it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, this is where we live out the reality of being part of God's family. This is where we learn to love one another. Would you stand to your feet as we sing this closing song? May I love my church. May you love your church. And if you don't, then there's something that you need to do and, make, and give business with God. Do business with God. Let's sing, and then I'll pray.